What is up, lovely people? It is Derek G Speaks Volumes for another week. This one's a doozy. This one, you know, get your head in the zone for some academia. Not from me, from other people. Because if you clicked on this, you know what it's about. It's about AI and music. And there's often a thesis with these episodes, but this one is other people's theses, short theses on how AI is progressing in the world of music, because it's been a hot topic of late with um, stories such as AI Drake taking over streaming services and uh, the labels having to quickly move on that and take down a whole raft of fake Drake songs. And then there is, uh, there's an AI company that has like, I saw something crazy, like 13 million songs on streaming platforms and they're starting to take those down as well. And so it's very much been a hot topic and I wanted to develop some thoughts on it, but then I had an idea and I thought, why don't I ask you guys? Because uh, I can sit here and and talk about my predictions and, and thoughts around it, but I think that everyone that listens to this thinks about this sort of stuff too and has a take on it that I think is going to expand all of our minds beyond just the um, simple kind of opinion of one man, which is usually the case of this. So kind of kind of consider this episode to be a bit of a uh, open forum, even though I'm the only one talking, uh, where you can, I think we will all walk away with this with a lot more, I think education about all the different places it could go. Um, and I'm, we're all better for it in my opinion. So I put out that question on Instagram where I said to people, tell me your hot takes. What are your predictions, your fears, your ruminations, your theories on AI and music? And <laughs> yeah, it, it, I just shouldn't do that too often because I got too many responses and it was quite overwhelming. And uh, I wanted to read them all because I didn't want to discount any. And uh, thank you for all those sending through. I hope you're listening to this. Uh, and I couldn't fit them all in. So for time, otherwise we'd be here forever. But yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today. As an aside, before we get into that, who's read my newsletter? It's a sub stack. You can find it on DerekG.com, my website. But uh, <laughs> I put it every month. As I've gained more subscribers to it, I've now <laughs> it's now gone from a little like jokey thing to now I'm writing like 4,000, 5,000 words. Last month was on hi-fi and, and the trend of hi-fi bars. And then this month was Anthony Fantano and music criticism. <laughs> and it was like, I'm not a writer, but now I'm enjoying writing. And now I've put myself in a position where I'm like up to the 11th hour writing this newsletter that I had no plan on writing. I enjoy it a lot. And if you enjoy it too, um, thank you for reading it. If you haven't read it yet, honestly, I'm quite proud of what I wrote, to be honest. It's just funny because I'm like, I, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, I guess like TikTok and Instagram is like these hyper-focused thoughts and ideas. This is more of an exploration and a bit more um, fluid. And then you have this these like super long form newsletters that I'm just like, am I writing a book here? What am I doing? I'm not a journalist. And, and none of these have any kind of like, there's no... Uh, references of bibliography or whatever. It's just my writing for a long time, <laughs> but I'm proud of it. So if you have read it, if you haven't read it, please check it out because I'm quite proud of what I've written. And if you like what 
I do here, then you probably will like what I do there as well. But yeah, jokes, jokes, jokes. So the chapters for this episode are as follows. And we're breaking AI down into this. A bit of a, 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 a level set or a bit of an expectation set. And then we're going into chapters as follows. Art and humanity, intelligence, artist impact, jobs, the listener's responsibility, and copyright and regulations. Now, I want to read you first a level set, a tone setter, a bit of intelligence, not from me, but from Samuel, because he wrote this to me. If you're going to talk about AI, make sure you're specific about what type of AI. Tendency to treat artificial intelligence as monolithic, whilst in reality, it is a segment of practice. I said, I replied going, could you reply to that, please? Because I, could you give me more context? Because I don't know what you're talking about exactly. Well, I kind of understand, but I kind of don't. He said, um, those outside of computer sciences and artificial intelligence studies tend to treat AI as a concept to be applied rather than a field of varying techniques with various applications. AI is not new. In a sense, having been developed during the 1950s in the Macy conferences, hence its connection to cybernetics. See, it's a smart person. Smart person, right? When we think of AI in this monolithic fashion, that is to say, we don't consider the steps or techniques involved in the creation of a model. We erase the human involvement and decision used in its creation. Truth. AI remains distinctly human insofar as its problem-solving abilities are defined by human requirements. Love that. I.e., the computer scientists who define the problem to be solved by applying machine learning. Also, the way which data collection affects output. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it. So, and and to follow up, someone else said, I think this. I don't know if this is Samuel or not. It is. It is. Uh, people tend to forget that AI is its own field, which is vastly complex, not simply an all-encompassing technique that can be applied. I hope that makes some kind of sense. <laughs> He's got a kid, and. Uh, <laughs> And he probably wrote that as he was like looking after said uh, upset kid. A really important level set, to be honest, because I, that was not something I thought about. And that's something that I think we should all consider because it's like AI, AI, AI. What's the problem? What? Where is it going? And it's like, you're right. There's many different forms of AI. There's like, uh, I had a note at one point, but like there's like, um, text-based AI, there's visual AI, there's like data and input output, there's some that's like short-term and there's some that like, you know, based on queries, there's all the different types. I'm I'm not informed in that world. And I think that that is important to consider, that it's not monolith monolithic. And then also it's important for the pause of it, for him where he's saying that it's made by humans and the decisions and developments we've made. So let's hold your horses in terms of blaming computers for the woes of a future society, but that man made these things and we made these decisions. Are we responsible as in the listener of today's podcast? No, but we are too quick to uh, perhaps look at the machine taking over when the machine is us. Thank you, Samuel, for that. Really great. Chapter, first chapter. 
art and humanity. So how we're going to work this is people, I'm going to read out the really deeper, more thought provoking answers that people have given me. I categorize them into these chapters and then I will give response where necessary. I don't think that every single thing deserves like a five minute response from me. So art and humanity. Marike writes, is, crea- is, creativity, is creativity inherently human? E.g. what separates us from machines and animals. With recent developments, I'm not so sure, or was it ever? I think that's a great point because, like, we can separate humans and animals. Oh, these animals that roll around in their own feces. <laughs> and AI is this all-encompassing um, machine, you know, powered by Intel chips and, you know, IBM servers. But perhaps... AI is us and perhaps everything that we're afraid of is just the natural uh, evolution and complication of humanity. One well, of perhaps it is, right? And uh, that is something that I think when we battle against this idea and concept of it is like perhaps not even the point. Hutch says people are distracted by the quality of the output and should really focus on the value of the input. I liked that because it was succinct. I thought it was really smart because I guess we are thinking about, well, what's it going to sound like? Where is music going? And and is it going to be like a whole lot of, a lot of clones? But I think the, the human input of not only what these last two messages said about uh, humans creating it and humans being part of it, but that... Uh, what sort of people are not only creating it, but what sort of people are using it and making it and and make making something beautiful out of it as well. Monge has been a great contributor on various platforms. My hot take is AI music is going to be bad and it will destroy the music industry. The beauty of music is everyone can make it, but not to the ability some can. If everyone could compose like Mozart or Joe Hisaishi, Interesting to add Joe in there next to Mozart. Their music would lose all of its value and therefore be worth nothing. And people again, um, to no, sorry, and therefore worth nothing to people. Again, as it reinstates their search for something original. I've been thinking about this a lot. I, I really pulled out that point because I do think that I, I agree. I agree with that point, which is to say that I think that we are reaching this precipice. I had a podcast episode that was meant to come out perhaps in um, before this one called There's Too Much Music and I deleted the video file. <laughs> well done. I've got the audio file, but it kind of goes hand in hand. So I don't think that's coming out anymore. But I think that basically I was talking about how there is so much music by which because you know, bedroom producers and distribution and record labels, it's so much easier to put out music than ever that most music isn't listened to. And with AI, there's only going to create more abundance of this stuff. And then uh, I do think that what I replied to Moj, Moj is that I think that there's going to be, uh, I feel like music is going to become more specialized and more highly regarded on one end of the spectrum, kind of like fine art, where you'll have really, really um, highly valued music. 
and then you're going to have everything else. Because if you look at the art world, which I've discussed before, where you have, you know, every hobbyist with an easel saying, I'm an artist, and then you might sell a painting at your local art fair on a Sunday morning. Uh, sure, it is art, and you are an artist, but you're not an artist with a capital A that means anything to culture. And I think that that's going to be more and more the case where things are going to div- uh, diverge o- over time, only sped up by the proliferation of AI and AI music. Daphne says, about AI in arts in general, in music in particular, I guess it's something we were about to face anyway, but what troubles me the most is how we are so prompt to forget the the real value of art. The fact that an AI could eventually produce a symphony is very disturbing, but is even more if we only consider pieces of art as mere products. If we do so, there is de facto no difference between a good piece of music by an AI and one created by a human being. If the only criteria is the result of the process, then artists in general are screwed. By doing so, we neglect the fact that, that art is made of errors, new beginnings, reflections, encounters, years and years of attempts, etc. That a piece of art shows this. And being an artist is also an experience. Being an artist is also is to have been given a rare sensibility creation is not production love that it requires sensibility and there is no sensibility in ai it's a mere reproduction of human creation input output input output input output uh, which hutch said early on as well about well the inputs are sensibilities uh like daphne was saying and that um if, if a model is recreating it based on the inputs that we give them, then it's only, it can only create like mimicked versions of that sensibility. So I thought that that was really beautifully put and written and that um, where we'll get to later in terms of cre- creativity is that I wonder if uh, listeners and humanity will, will be able to tell the difference though. Uh, or are we just like, I've learned to like really bad songs because I've heard them enough. And if that was written by something that didn't have a sensibility, will it will it matter to me? I think that the most beautiful music that I've come across is very human, very art, uh, heart achingly um, tragic. But maybe those inputs can be done. I don't. I'd like to think not. But maybe Ender says I'm quite cynical about it. I believe it will be adopted slowly at first. Production elements, EQ, compression, auto tune. Slowly, it will be used to generate vocal harmonies on top of the lead. Then maybe bass lines and drum loops. People may not want to listen to AI music in principle, but once companies start using it in ads and movies, YouTubers use it in their videos, etc. People will listen and they'll stop checking to see if it's by a real artist or not. People already don't care that a song has seven writers or that most songs, um, most of the song is made by computers. I'm not trying to be elitist or gatekeep anything, but we do need to start asking how much we value the craft. Oh, heavy, big punch. The developments in technology have made music more accessible than ever, and that's great, but does the craft matter? Does it matter to someone It doesn't matter that someone should have to learn and work at an instrument for years before they're capable enough. It's not an easy question to answer. Man, you guys are so smart. It's really like that one hit heavy because it's like, how much do we value the craft? It's like I was saying about listening to a pop song that is just an earworm. And so I kind of like it. And how much do we value the craft? I would say that the vast majority of people don't. 
then if you're listening to this podcast, you very much do. I'm not trying to be elitist either. I get I, I get why I end up saying that because it's like, I think about someone like a relative, you know, the odd auntie that might hear a song a year and be like, oh, I think I've heard that in the supermarket. I think I've heard that on MasterChef. You know, they don't value it. That's okay. But uh, so if it just pops on and they don't look at the artists on it, they don't think about it, then then that's where the cynicism that Ender has comes from. So Kai says, okay, my take is AI could never replicate human emotion. The best work of art, music, film, paintings, and poems come from intense devastation, loneliness, and joy. We make art to express. We consume art for the emotion that exists within it, raw, real, human emotion. Like, do you think a robot could have had the ideas of putting a guttural scream at the end of a song? No. Creators will persist in all caps. Mm, I'm thinking about that one. I uh, Fundamentally, I agree that emotions are obviously lacking in, in an AI producing music to say I am sad because the inputs of all the music in the world says that I can express sadness and that's in a minor key. And... and uh, I wonder, I wonder because I feel like there will be inputs as well to be like, okay, also from time to time, throw in random mistakes, throw in random, you know, odd curveball things that we don't want in the song and therefore it makes it more artful. Can the inputs require, like uh, ordain these uh, master brains of AI with the uh, ability to be um, vulnerable and uh, laden with mistakes and uh, emotion. Aye, aye, aye. Last one. It's from Nerdy, my friend. He's a, he's a DJ and producer. Uh, what Nerdy does really well is he uh, says what I'd like to say in like 1-2% of the, of the length. Computers will know. Computers will know how to make music, but they can never know why. The why is the reason that people care about certain music and art. Thank you, Nodi. That ends the chapter of human humanity and art. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'll leave him on that note. Next chapter, intelligence. The intelligence of the AI. So we've addressed the human element of AI and, and whether it can tackle that. And this is how intelligent is it? Bartha writes, I think AI is at the level where it understands basic music theory and can write good stuff. But the fact that dynamics and things like soul have a big effect on music. If you ask AI to write a song in a certain genre like jazz, it fails miserably because of the fact that jazz is based on theory that is very advanced also being an improvisation. AI will never replace real musicians just because of the experience of humans playing music. It can do stuff that's interesting, but not the level that humans do, and it will never reach the level that real musicians are at. 
hate to be cynical, but I don't know if I agree with that because there's a lot of bad musicians out there. <laughs> like, hmm, let's use, I don't, don't, don't want to use anyone in particular as fodder, but, you know, you've all heard like kind of pretty cheesy musicians out in the world busking on the street. Let's use me. Like I played in a high school band and just covered songs and can pick up a guitar and play the chords I can remember. Uh, I know I'm not an artist, so I guess that's that's a difference. But uh, I think that most humans and mus- people that can play music are pretty bad at it. It's more of a hobby. So maybe there's just as much chance for AI to make good stuff. But I do like why out of that was for the jazz reference. It's like, I think until recently, perhaps that was like chess. It's like they could solve chess and beat the greatest chess masters with a computer. But then there was this uh, Chinese or Japanese um, game called Go, Go, which makes me feel Japanese, which the computer couldn't solve because there were too many combinations and and needed a whole lot more um, input in order to solve it. I think maybe that's changed recently, but I think that's where like maybe the final frontier is jazz and maybe, maybe, and this is why I kept it in here, maybe jazz is the final battle of AI and maybe jazz is what will eventually, (laughs) this is self-serving, survive and uh, live on forever because jazz has to it can't replicate it because it's too complicated too improvised too human and uh falls over on itself and breaks everything and that's how man survives that was a joke knip says uh i'm a little interested to see what happens in ai with ai in 15 years but not in the time it'll take us to get from now to 2038 it'll probably be super messy and cringe with a lot of people who are already disenfranchised in art, music, advertising, etc., will unfortunately be pushed further out from being recognized. For now, AI is just junky data. Data we're putting into it. Nothing new is being created, and nothing right. And right now, nothing really innovative is being done with AI, which is why I think we need 15 years of junk to get to the point where something cool starts to happen. I do worry though that this Wild West phase of AI will change the way people receive and consume art, music, thoughts and ideas and make palettes less favorable to things that aren't AI generated, that are tolerance for unintentional imperfections that come with the human, with the human creations will erode away. Mm. 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 You know what I, re- I, I relate this to? Social media. Because I think that how long have we lived with social media for in it, like in a prolific way? 20 years, kind of crazy, right? And I think it's still the Wild West. <laughs> I think that it's, uh, we have not uh, evolved with the, the, evo- the platforms haven't evolved fast enough, have created a whole lot of damage, have also created a lot of great things because I wouldn't be talking to you without this. And a lot of people have contributed great things to the world with social media. But I think that the, uh, it's, these platforms of the Wild West and have uh, allowed bad actors, misinformation, disinformation, all that sort of stuff. And um, we've seen the realities of junky, in, uh, junky products um, and things developing in front of us, with us at the time, without a huge amount of testing and regulation. And um, I do agree in that sense that 
whilst I am interested in the future of it, that does scare me when you say that, like, you know, uh, it's the Wild West because I think that we've lived through that on its own and the, and the detrimental impacts that that has had on society as well from a social media point of view. Damn. Intelligence, huh? Artist impact is next. How will this affect the musician? Matt says, Music licensing for bands will likely decline rapidly. 300k for a Beatles song on a Mercedes commercial? Nope. I'll have an AI make me a license-free version of the Beatles song for free slash cheap. So we're talking about publishing, we're talking about sync, we're talking about licensing. Um, I think, um, yeah, that's really interesting because I think it definitely will affect um, artists quite negatively because when when you rose raise that rose that raise that i did think about wow publishing is kind of going to be a bit screwed because if you don't know about that world you have the master side of um the, the music recording rights which is the recorded song that you listen to on the radio then you have publishing which is the songwriter and the use of their song writing composition, whether in covers, whether um, in TV and and elsewhere in film, and they get paid, songwriters get paid that way. And if, if I license your song for an ad, you get paid for the master and you get paid for the publishing. Uh, and there's different people get paid for different things, all the same. And it's a huge industry that makes a whole lot of money. And that's where like a lot of the IP that is, uh, that is valuable for an artist you know, you rest upon the idea that if you can get licensed for TV with a song that you've made when you're 50 years past in your career, you're still making money. And whilst I don't necessarily agree that they would just copy a Beatles song, because I think that certain music uh, evokes a feeling of nostalgia because I want to hear, you know, Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones in a car commercial in the future, say, for instance, that that will still come in because it's like oh man it's a perfect song i love that song and now it's in this ad for horse shoes <laughs> uh so that will happen but i think that the, like the, the great like like with everything that we're talking about the great middle um will be taken up by ai and there'll be less publishing um sync royalties or not royalties rights licenses paid out to these artists that kind of not just bank on it expect it or like there's it will be a huge like i don't know how much a billion dollar industry more more how much music is played in film you know and and tv and advertising so that's that's going to be like huge for the publishing industry i'm sure the publishing industry knows this and they're trying to work against it i didn't really think about that so that's really interesting patrice says once AI finds its way to the general public and more specifically musicians, I assume there'll be a lot more output, even more than there is now in releases. It'll be harder to reach an audience that is probably already overwhelmed. Apart from building a solid live reputation, how will new bands be able to stand out from all of this? Hmm. It's true. It's true. I think... Uh, discoverability of artists is already hard i think that playing live is i do think playing live is going to be the um almost the most sacred part of being a musician in the future because what is recorded music you know if it's uh 
going to become there's more and more music than ever and you can't uh be discovered as much the only thing you have is small communities and the ability to see it live and go i've never seen anything like that and i want to see it again uh, i think that we've taken a few years back because of covid on people wanting to see things live i think i went to see twice the k-pop concert this week and um I had an idea of what a K-pop concert was like. But when I was there, I was like, I've only had this idea because I've developed it during COVID and seen a lot of it on TikTok. I don't actually have a lived experience of this. And I think it was kind of quite different to what I expected in a good way. And I don't mean like in the structure and format of it, but just the overall experience of seeing all the people and fans and expressions of fandom. And I was like, wow, that kind of messed with my head a little bit that uh, I've been so far removed from like a reality and an internet lived experience. So, you know, internet's doing a good job of being um, anti-live music as well. Next chapter is jobs. What jobs is it going to affect? Not just the artists. Gavin says, I think the perspective of the DJ versus AI is a very interesting topic. If you were a generic bar owner and wanted a DJ in, you could potentially use software that exists to make playlists based on chat GPT recommendations, brackets. I have experimented and they are very spot on. I think that was where I, I, I added this point because I hadn't thought about DJs in this. And um, in one sense, you know, radio is definitely being killed by the likes of the streaming services because you can put on a Spotify playlist instead that's curated for your space and now spotify has spotify for business and i've seen this app where you can if you've got multiple locations you can play the same song at the same time and adjust the volume without being in the space quite crazy um i think that i think djs i think it's interesting and thought-provoking i think that if you are a place that you are a club where people want to go to dance I think people like to know that it's done for them. I think that generic places that might have the, or DJ, yeah, they might be like, yeah, who needs this? Um, but I do think the human element to it is reading the room and knowing when to put on different songs. And and um, that is not going to go away anytime soon unless an AI reads like the sentiment of people's eyeballs and goes, oh, everyone's getting fatigued. Let's put on some ABBA. But until that happens, um, I think it will definitely affect more of the, uh, generic cafes where they might even go away from Spotify playlists just, but also like it can really, you can give it a query and then people, it will design a playlist that's more specific to you and your audience, perhaps. Julian says, I do think the engineering mastering side of recording could take a huge hit though. I imagine AI models eventually being able to do it in seconds based on basic prompts, i.e. make the drums brighter, etc. Uh, if it would even need those prompts. That is the most truthful thing I've seen um, when I saw that, that mixing and mastering, and I'm not an artist, so maybe artists would disagree, I think is is a little bit of a dark art, if you don't know what that is. Um, uh, mixing is um, the kind of preparing a song for mastering. You have the, you have the recorded elements, you are um, adding extra bits to it. You are like, you know, different 
little tweaks to make it just sparkle. You're adding more layers. You might be um, doing some EQing on the individual tracks. You might be adding effects to those tracks, more reverb, more this and that to bring out some saturation or whatever. And then mastering is really, once you have all those elements, they're really trying to make the, all those layers talk to each other in a clear and coherent way and at the right volume um, so that it is competitive with everything else in the landscape. Because if your bass doesn't sound as good as someone else's and they listen to it, it just sound bad. And so it's a bit of like polishing, a bit of quality control, a bit of professionalism to bring it up to a, a level. Now, on the specialized ends of things, I don't think those people are going to lose their jobs because some people bring a whole lot of magic to their mixing and mastering that elevate a song from being good to being great because they might go, oh, why don't I add another kick under the kick that it gives it this punch that you don't even know about and you don't even, wouldn't even be able to hear. It's like I saw one video about Charlie XCX's, they're mixing a song from her and she would be singing a note. And then they, but then they played a synth under that that you can't really tell, but it's like fattens up the voice and gives it even more richness. I don't think a computer can do that. But I, on the other end of things, a manager said to me once jokingly, and it really depressed me. It's like, <laughs> I, manage an, I manage an artist that does mastering for people and they just throw it into an Ableton plugin and re-export it and we charge them a thousand bucks or whatever, 500 bucks, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, excuse me, which is a reality. People, artists go, hello, Derek, not me, but hello, Derek, you're a great master, I've heard, because uh, you master this track. And then they're like, yep. And they send it back. And then it's like, I they, they did their magic, I think. It sounds even, I think. Thank you. And I can see a world in which you can send, if you want a kind of more generic, like, just whitewash mix and I don't mean that in a bad way you could just send it off send it to a chatbot and go like hey could you mix this the, the seconds seconds it's done okay bring out the bass more bring out lower this one okay done okay can you master it done okay that's thank you for using my service we charge ten dollars a month you know ay 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 Rob says not really thought-provoking, but I th I'm really curious how it will affect not only the production of music, but also curation. At the moment, you really need good curators, whether they are DJs, radio hosts, or whatever, because taste and so curation stem from certain complexity made of not only context, but also emotions. I'm really curious whether AI will be capable of telling stories and evoking emotions by selecting and arranging songs. This is somewhat self-serving because I consider myself a, you know, a, a curator of sorts. Um, and I think that why a, a platform or a profile of mine has grown is because people are looking for simplicity and storytelling behind the music that they discover, right? So there are people that on, on say TikTok or Instagram, hey, here's a playlist of a thousand songs that I like right now. And it's too much. Some people are like, here's a song you should check out today. A bit better. I think what I try to do is like, if I share a playlist, it's because I've made it over a long period of time and then I have a deep connection to it. Or if I share a song, I have a deep connection with it. I think people want that because 
I have people sharing me music all the time, playlists all the time. It's like, I, I just don't listen to them because I'm sure that it's beautiful and you put something together, but it's like, hey, Derek, I love your playlist. I'd love to share you mine. Thank you. I appreciate that. But then it's like, here's 50 songs. And it's like, you've really got to dedicate that time without, and I don't have a story behind it. I don't know anything about you. So it's like, it's just your taste. And if you said, something really meaningful. This is why I made it. And this is where it comes from. This is what it's about. Maybe I'll be compelled to listen to it more. So I agree to, in a sense, like there's too much music, there's too many playlists, there's not enough storytelling. And um, I do think that an AI will struggle with that. And I perhaps see that perhaps people more like me, Margot, will be the people, I hope, that can help slow things down and tell more stories around music. Um, for an audience that wants to, things to slow down a little bit. The listener's responsibility coming next. I think this is the second last section. Brian says, there'll be a Spotify owned record label that will either allow you to play any track in the artist's voice that you love or every single artist that will release their own Spotify that will let you stream any track in their voice. Surely it's inevitable, right? I like what I like is the kind of uh, far-reaching futurism prediction of that. Uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's inevitable. I think that that would be a, quite a leap, quite a stretch that I think that would upset a lot of people. I can see in a dystopian <laughs> universe that it could happen for sure. It can happen. It, it 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 with the fake Drake. It's happening now in the sense that people can create these fake artists. I think platforms going hey do you want to eat here hotel california but sung by weird al yankovic press a button we'll do it kind of undoes the whole usp of the product which is like providing you with art and music and more like we're providing you exactly what you think you want but people don't actually know what they want people want to listen to lizzo because it's like, oh, this is a fun pop song that I heard on the radio. Not like, I want to listen to what I want to listen to. Because how creative are people that want to prompt things to say, oh, uh, I love that song. Chris Isaac, Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing. I haven't listened to that so long. Classic track, but sung by Frank Ocean. Who wants that? <laughs> it also comes down to that question of the audience. Does anyone want that? I don't want that. I'm going to listen to that song later, by the way. Nicole says... It's going to narrow taste. Most of the algorithms do this already, making music less and less discoverable. I also think it will homogenize a lot of music, making more of it to sound the same. There's a vast amount of data that is being missed by the models to create a variety of nece a variety necessary for diverse musical points of view. Mm. I, I'm self-conscious of saying data. When I lived in London, people made fun of me saying data. It must be an Australian thing. I think everyone says data. I'm like, you're British. Shouldn't you be saying data? No. Um, I'll, I'll read that last bit again. The, there's a vast amount of data <laughs> that is being missed by the models to create a variety necessary for diverse musical points of view. Um, okay, to tackle this in two points, I think it's going to narrow taste. Um, I agree, and I think the taste is already narrowing, and I think that more and more hyper-niche genres are existing because you can... And there's a pocket for everyone to exist with these hyper niches. So you can make like, um, you know, Nigerian city pop 
because hey there's an audience in the world that might think like you want to listen to some nigerian city pop so i do think that there's 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 less mass consumption of music than ever that's just the fact it's not a crazy statement um and then there's a vast amount of data that is being missed by the models um yeah that's also true i think that you can't catalog everything and you can't give the computer the context behind everything. So it just lists, it's just like music. And so if you upload, say, uh, I'm just making this up, but like Clinton Hill in, in Brooklyn had a, a scene in the eighties that had like five bands that all put out similar making music. If you don't tell it that and you just upload it, it'll be like, okay, thanks for the ingestion of songs. That's going to add to the more of my song intelligence. And maybe it's like, well, you can't create that said scene sound because you don't know the difference. So, hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the data input side of it is uh, is an interesting question. St. Virgil, the lovely St. Virgil says, I have so many thoughts on this. I'm on the fence of this because we are looking at it as an AI versus artist and record labels, but there's also another major player brackets guilty party the consumer i'm thinking about this all in economic terms that supply and demand curve the consumer is so used to the convenience and instant gratification in every other aspect of their lives amazon doordash spotify with ai writing seeing the songs all of a sudden the music listener has unlimited drake lana del rey and frank ocean at home the ai is filling a need in the market from devout fans of artists who are either aren't here anymore or aren't making music anymore and aren't releasing music as fast. Hmm. Hmm. It's like what I was saying about um, Brian's point earlier. I, I do wonder whether there is a demand. And if it's like an AI created song by your favorite artist, does the fan want it? Like uh, fake Drake is funny to me, but I don't like go like, oh, new Drake. Oh, this is a good song. I do get your overarching point though, which is that, we as the consumer are guilty by consuming as much music as we do. Are we guilty in a sense? And this is talking a few points back about the wild west, about there being uh, these uh, junkie models that uh, we are subject to. So is it our fault that we, um, can listen to Joy Division's whole discography in an hour and a half and then never listen to it again because I made it a, a, had an opinion on it, you know, say for a new music listener. It is kind of, it's the platform's fault, but then it's our fault because we're so disposable about music. And so what we want, well, our thirst for music is stronger than ever because we get um, satiated and that urge is, is, you know, fulfilled immediately. And um, it can be quite tiring. So what is our role to play within that? Is slowing down, is demanding more, is expecting less value and quality. Stephanie Poetry, the artist, a friend, says, I think AI is okay to use when using as a reference or as a part of the process without it being an actual end product. I also predict kids are going to learn in school how to write better prompts for AI in the future. I like that last point especially prompts what is ai without the user the end user requesting something of it because otherwise it's making stuff for no one and putting it on a server somewhere so 
I think uh, that was really thought provoking to me because I think that prompts are very, very, very underrated in uh, like, I saw someone send me something like about like, make me a DJ playlist for like this type of city pop. And that prompt is fairly crude and will give you a certain result. And so if you can make better prompts, then you might get more interesting output from the AI that could create something quite interesting and different and never heard before. But we will just prompt it by saying, hey, give me Drake over a Frank Ocean song. Um, and the fringes will know how to prompt properly or maybe later generations. Time Aids says, at the end of the day, it's essentially just taking what pop writers have been doing forever and automating it. Hmm. What I do think will be interesting will be the quantity of releases that can happen after this change and how that will affect the consumer's tolerance to it will be. If you can tap an app and get 20 new Justin Bieber songs, you just entirely devalued the hype game. Will people just get tired of pop music because there's too much? Will this push further into us into further into underground genres i mean my opinion in my i mean in my opinion we're seeing this nowadays with the rise of rising popularity of more underground niche genres as a rejection of the tiktokification of music it just feels samey so we look for stuff that doesn't fit that mold sorry for butchering reading that but i've been reading a lot today <laughs> um yeah i think that it, this comes down to that whole overabundance of music as well. People are getting tired of um, the amount of music out. Are they? I don't know if they are. And I think perhaps you guys listening to and myself kind of feel that it could be, but perhaps they're not. I think that people are probably listening to just enough and it's the fringes that are kind of seeing the future of, of what things could be. But I think that uh, I do like your point that it's automating what pop writers have done, which is like, and this speaks to the very early point about like um, the the human involvement, the user, the crudeness, the types of AI, because what is AI? It's human, right? So pop writers arguably can be AI because they know the formats that work, that get people to like tweak their little like earworm and go like, this is what they need. We have the format. We have a pre-chorus. We have, you know, we have this, these techniques and tricks to get people to listen to a song. So in many ways, we have been automating songwriting for a long time in order to uh, convert listeners and, and make money. And, and so I think that pop, I don't know if people get tired of pop music. I think pop music will always be necessary for the mass and mainstream. And perhaps technology will be used more to speed up the process of these already automated processes that we've had in a songwriting. Um, and then at the same time, I agree with you, the underground niche genres, like I said earlier, are more popular than ever because you can exist in those worlds. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last section, copyright and regulations. Connie Conn of the rapper in Children of Zeus, a great album called Travel Light. Check them out. Excellent, very talented duo from Manchester. Says, the sample recognition technology is going to recognize every chopped, reversed and pitched sample from the 90s hip hop songs and cease and desist letters will be sent out making a lot of songs from that era removed from so from streaming until they're cleared also robots are going to kill us all <laughs> i like that in terms of copyright and regulations because i know a lot of songs on the streaming services that might have a really small snippet that won't wouldn't be catched because they're not big enough of an artist to catch it like i'm talking like small ten thousand follower instagram artists and yeah scan it all get smarter recognize every single sample we're taking it down we are charging you for cease and desist problematic very problematic because i think sample culture as a whole you know look at the recent case that was won by ed sheeran about um, one of the writers of let's get it on marvin Gaye, saying that he ripped it off and you know where is the line between inspiration and, and, and imitation and, and ripping off and samples, culture, sa- I wouldn't have my music taste without hip hop and, and sample culture. I wouldn't have dove deep into so many different genres because of it, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is that people have recontextualized music that may not have been loved at the time and represented it to a whole new audience in a way that is only um, influenced generations of people, music fans. So. That's a bad thing that we could the sample recognition get worse. I think sample sampling should be even more open. It's almost like what Grimes says. It's like if it in, if it makes any significant money, then I want half. But until then, go for your life because it's all the better that people can do this stuff, right? Maybe you disagree. Dennis says, I think there will be laws for protecting current artists' sound slash vocals so they can't be used, and you might not get the right to copyright your song if it's completely used using if it's completely made using AI. That is already the case with AI art, where it's not stated that prompting is not the same as creating. Yeah, right. So I think the latter point is the most interesting thing, that if you create something completely digitally and you didn't make it and it's just prompting it and it's creating it, do you own it? Is it yours? Um, Yeah, it's weird because you are a, you know, if you told something to make something and it, it comes out looking like Picasso, who owns it? Does anyone own it? Or is it just a fact of like uh, an expression of algorithms that have given you an output? That one's a deep one. That's got me a bit confused because it's like, um, is it almost like that question of like, are you an artist just because, you know, is this person an artist for sticking a banana on the wall? Is that art or is it banana and tape? 
Um, well, they said it was art, so it is art. But then if you make a song by prompts and you said, I made this, you, you did you make this or did you prompt it? <laughs> that one hurts my head the most out of everything, I think, um, about who should own it and do you have the rights to something you prompted. Joel says... I feel like this is a very dystopian development in music and art, seeing the way that record labels have used the voices of the deceased artists like Juice World and others to push out every little morsel of content possible, even from voice clips and unfinished vocals. I can see labels using AI in a simple, similar way. I hope it doesn't, but I could see this becoming a very messy argument over ownership of someone's likeness in terms of how a label can use likeness to continue to make art under someone's name. We've seen bands and artists fighting with labels together and masters. I could see similar thing happening with AI. While this is highly hypothetical, the main thing that we have to gauge how possible it could be of the greed of labels. And we've seen before they can be extremely greedy. Therefore, it doesn't seem outside the scope of imagination. Ooh, good point, Joel. Um, likeness is a really important question. If you, if anyone has read contracts that say, you know, the the, the brand has a um, right to the, your usage of your likeness, which is your appearance, it can be anything, right, for a period of time. Now, I don't know if it exists in record label contracts as of, but it potentially is heading that way. That if it says we own the rights to your likeness for the rest of eternity. If we advance you $5 million, people will be like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And that means your image, we can exploit every image, every taken of you. Maybe that means they can create images of you that you didn't, that didn't exist. Maybe that means your voice and the sound of your voice. And that once you are a star, they can put out albums forever and say it's you because it is you because they own your likeness. <gasps> That's very dystopian, very scary, not out of the realms, as Joel said, because record labels have not shown <laughs> to be uh, pro artist and pro art in many cases, not every case. Last question. The last question. I hope you've enjoyed this. I have. I feel that there will be a culture of AI generated artists um, charting, which will create a subgenre that will enviably seek out the cool vintage sounds of real authentic music. Derek, remember, man, remember when music was real? This is quotes like real, real air bounds are for sellouts. It goes back to the adage of how everything old will be cool again. Regarding the back end of music, that is where AI will take a place hold on the industry. The legal side of the industry, such as copyright protection, will be highlighted by AI algorithms, which could analyze digital content and identify copyright infringement. As Connie Con says, this technology can help music publishers and copyright holders identify copyright priority for keeping profits accountable for the capitalistic machine. Sure, this is great. Additionally, AI can assist with metadata tagging, making it easier to track and attribute royalties to the appropriate parties. In the end, I'm not sure where I sit with it. Nevertheless, it is already here and there isn't much I or we can do about it. In my humble opinion, I will do believe that it will reshape the music industry for better or worse. So there's many points in that. So let's just touch on a few of them. I think I might have butchered how he said the, the kind of subgenre of AI. 
that basically he's saying that there'll be a culture of AI music that will almost be its own genre and there'll be a subculture of people that are searching for real vintage human tones and that will be its own subgenre, um, which I find interesting. It's like the resistance. It's punk. You know what's punk? Recording things with actual people. You know what's punk? Instruments. You know what's punk? You know, recording on tape. I could see that happening in in a sense. I think that perhaps was like, wasn't that like the steampunk movement in a sense? And um, I don't know if it'll be a mass movement, but I think it will definitely happen where people will be like, I've thought about myself. What if this like record labels form that music is not on streaming services. It's not on Bandcamp. It's only on physical form because it's almost an act of rebellion. I think that the other point, you know, that it can do metadata and or like you know it can recognize ip and things like that i the point that i like here is that it can assist metadata tagging and track and attribute royalties so that is a particular fraught part of the music industry which is crazy that we're in 2023 and it's completely broken whereby like if you are a songwriter and your song gets played in uh namibia at a radio station that you don't get paid like you you it, it's really hard to get that money because you know that radio station might log your music that they played maybe they don't if they do log it it will sit on a file and then these rec- these radio stations have to log it to their performing rights association and then they can tag it and then they can let you know that you know and collect hold on to the the royalties that were paid 20 cents for that song and then they might hold on to it and then if you don't claim it, then they just it just gets absorbed back into, I don't know, <laughs> the congealed form of fat cats of music CEOs. And so that blockchain's trying to trying to solve it. It's a mess. It's a mess. And it isn't getting any better because it should just be anytime your song is played, you get paid. And the internet and forms like that should be able to recognize these things and pay people. So if if AI can do that through blockchain, through, you know, like Shazam type listening and attribution without the need of like um, peak collecting agencies, that would be the ideal for artists. That's a really great and incredible, incredible evolution that could cre- uh, create this world for artists. And um, I, I look forward to that. I think it will happen. Someone will need to really still revolutionize and get people on board with it because people have been trying to do it for years and no one solved it yet. There you go. Music industry chat, philosophy, theories, mind fucks, everything in between. Uh, I feel a lot more enlightened, to be honest, a lot more educated, a lot more uh, provoked with the um, ideas that you guys have laid before us. If you've made it to the end, well done you. I hope you don't mind me reading so much stuff. But I think, like I said at the beginning, I think that this serves as a really good education um and, and broad uh look at copyright regulations you know individuals responsibilities prompts art culture and everything in between and um i can go forth thinking about these things and perhaps continue or do things with some intentionality and i think that what samuel said at the beginning about like what is ai and the monolithic idea of it you know one can be a little bit more nuanced about how 
it's thought about and talked about because there's so many different factors impact it. And I think that saying, well, it, AI destroy music, it's like, well, no, it could actually do a lot of great and could actually lower some barriers. It could also take a lot of jobs. It could also take a lot of jobs that people were kind of scamming you anyway, you know? So like anything, nothing is black and white, is it? Leave it there because my mouth is tired now and my throat needs some uh, lubrication. <laughs> okay, now I stop. On that note, thank you very much for listening. This has been Derek G Speaks Volumes for this week. Read the newsletter if you haven't. I liked it. Hope you like it too. See you next week.